Jesus spoke in parables, stories. Stories that are um, para-tales. They, not veggie-tales, though veggie-tales themselves are often parables. But, but, but parables come alongside our life. And, and, and looking at that story, we discover God's mysteries for our, our story. That was true then, as it was for these Pharisees and priests who came alongside Jesus and asked him in the temple courts as he came in that last week of his life. He's just cleared the temple, and so they are are, are a bit upset. He has moved authoritatively on their turf. You follow what? That's what these scenes follow. And they ask him the very pointed question, by what authority do you do these things? These children are crying out to you, Hosanna in the highest. That, that, that's, that's, a, that, that's a praise for no, none other than the deity himself, God himself. And yet you encourage this, you receive this. Who do you think you are? By what authority do you do these things? And uh, I love Jesus not just because he was virtuous. I love Jesus because he was brilliant. This is beyond any chess move I've ever seen, you know. Okay, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you tell me by what authority John the Baptist did his baptizing, was it from men, authorized by men, or was it from God? And of course, these guys aren't interested in the truth. Uh, They've heard the truth, they've already rejected it. What they're looking for is a way to nail Jesus. And he knows this. But the whole time he is dodging their direct attack on him, he is mercifully pouring forth truth into their ears that they refuse to hear. They, they think to themselves, it actually says this in the scripture, though it wasn't, you know, you can't see their thoughts as they acted out. They, it says that they thought to themselves, well, if we say that it was from, from, uh, from men, uh, the people around us thought him to be a prophet, and so they'll We'll get unpopular with them really fast. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be the losers there. But if we say that he got his authority from God and we didn't give him that authority, he got it from God, then Jesus is just going to say he gets his authority from God and we're messed up there. So, well, we, we don't know. Well, neither then will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So he sets aside their attack, but then he tells them why he has that authority. He turns to the crowd. We don't know that it was to the children. That's the way it played out there. But he he turns to the crowd, of which children would have been able to understand this story. He turns to the crowd then, and he says, "Um, what do you think? What do you think? I'm so glad that Christianity is not as it is often portrayed as an opiate for the people, as a fairy tale for the gullible, Jesus wants to engage our minds. He's got all our minds can handle and more. What do you think, he says? There were two sons. And one day their father 
uh, came to them, came to the first of the two and said, now incidentally, I, I don't know why this is. I couldn't get to the bottom of this, but in some of your translations, it will flip this story and come to the second son first or the first son second. And so the answer in some of your Bibles will be listed as it was the latter son. And some of your Bibles will say it was the first son. But in both cases, they're referring to the same son, though they've been presented in different orders. I don't know why that is. Makes things difficult for a preacher. I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, but basically, there are these two sons. And the first son he comes to and he says, go into uh, in, my, in my vineyard and work in my vineyard today. And it's his father that's asking him. It's not his boss. It's not his, his uh, slave owner. It, it's, it's his father. And to his father, he responds courteously, respectfully. He even calls him sir. I will, sir. You know, the, the, the perfect firstborn. I will, sir. You know? But Jesus says he doesn't go. Doesn't tell us why. Maybe all that would be distraction. He, he, he doesn't go. And then he goes to the second son. And the second son is, is almost rude. Son, I need you to go work in the vineyard today. I will not but later he thought better of it and went. And so then Jesus asked a question. Which of the two sons did the will of the father? What do you think? Now he's just told a story as all of these parables become an experience. I love to go to the movies. Don't you love to go to the movies and just get lost in somebody else's stuff for a little while? And, and, and when it's on the movie screen, you know, you, you're the greatest romantic that ever lived. You know what that other person's thinking. You know exactly what the approach is. And you're urging for that poor fool to do. You know what I mean? Uh, when it's their problem up there, it's so much easier to see than, than when we're talking about my stuff. But Jesus has now shifted the gaze onto someone else's story so that we can then make a determination about their story so much easier. The trick is that once we've made our own determination, guess what? We are in the story. And then that's what makes his parables not only entertaining and engaging and memorable, it makes them downright pointed. You follow what I'm saying? They say, well, of course it was the one, first or latter, whatever your translation says. They're talking about the son who had first said, I will not but thought different of it, of it later and, and, and went. It seems to be Jesus is telling a story. It doesn't matter where you've been or where you are now. It's finishing well that matters. Do the will of your father. But, but neither of these sons are perfect, you realize? As are none of we. One was immediately rejecting his father, almost rude, but then is the one that is congratulated, the one who did the well of his heavenly father by going out and actually getting in the field. The other seems courteous and polite and says the right thing, maybe even intends the right thing, but for some reasons that we're unaware of, he does not get around to doing it. He says the right thing, but he, he doesn't live it out. He then, we judge, to be the one who did not do the will of the Father. But in this case, Jesus is not talking about these two sons. 
He's talking about the Pharisees that are attacking him. They are the ones that have said yes to God, but now are not doing the will of God. Jesus is doing the will of God. And that's what gives him the authority for the things that he has done. He is walking out the will of God. He is a deputy of the highest of authorities. So in some ways, he's just answered their question. As he passes them at the end, it doesn't play out exactly the way it does in the Bible, but, but it has the same impact. Then those who are accusing him realize that they are in the story. You know? I, I, I would love for this adventure to the parables, I would love to present it as, this is going to be fun. It's going to be story time with Pastor. All fall, we're going to be talking about the stories of Christ. But, I, but, but with that, I can't be a good pastor and prepare your hearts accurately for what I think this experience can become unless I tell you and forewarn you that these parables of Jesus will get in your business. You will find yourself in these stories. You know, that there are those preachers that preach to people who aren't there. All those sinners or whoever it is out in the world that's doing everything wrong and they, you know, preachers will just uh, nail those folks, you know, and, and usually you get a lot of amens from the choir, sick it to them, preacher, you know what I mean? But, but it's slightly different when those knives are coming at you, right? I, I, See the little guy up here? He's up there on purpose. This is always amusing. It's one of the circus's best acts. The, the guy who, who throws the knives and they just line up, you know, around the lady. All the daggers don't touch her, but they come so close. And with each throw of the dagger, everyone goes, oh, oh, you know, and it is just, it's, it's wonderful, you know. It's everybody cheers and thinks it's wonderful until the guy turns to the audience and says, do I have a volunteer? You know, and, and then then it's perceived differently. Uh, in, in some of these parables, you may not need, see yourself, but in some of these parables, you may. And in a lot of these parables, things that have not been clear or have been vague before, suddenly you will know the will of your father. And the question is, which of those two sons will you be? We, we can answer politely, you know, especially while we're in, here in church. We know what the answer should be, so, you know, we know the answer, but do we live that answer? Uh, does it apply to other people, or does it, does it also um, apply to us? Jesus has a way of drawing us into his stories, letting us make sense of them for ourselves, and unraveling a mystery of heaven that we have been missing the, the, the mystery that those who were accusing him of, of uh, overstepping his authority have misjudged him as just a man. He's not just a man. He's the son of God. They've been offended by the fact that their authority to authorize who does things at the Temple Mount, he didn't come to them for permission. He just started turning over tables. 
they have their own agenda, their own way of understanding how things are to work. And Jesus is not complying here. And so to them, after he tells the parable, he says this, which was not necessarily in all that we saw. Verse 31 of Matthew 21. Which of the two did the will of the Father? They said, the latter. The son who thought better of it and went into the field. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and the harlots will get into the kingdom of heaven before you. For John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax gatherers and the harlots did believe him. And you seeing this did not even have or feel remorse afterwards so as to believe in him. Now, we might think that if the story is about us, then we're the ones that are being called up short. And nobody likes that. We, we, we don't want to feel that remorse. We, we want to feel like everything's right. But the truth of the matter is, if we will hear the word of God for what it is, even if it catches us in a place where we have some adjustment to do in our own lives, that can become a beautiful thing. That can become a beautiful thing. There's few things more beautiful than this world than the life that is repentant. Than the life that is turned from darkness to light. Than the life that was on a death track has now found a track for life. But so many of us are embarrassed or afraid to admit that we have been given that choice because we're needful of it. Both of these sons understood that their father was merciful. Perhaps one understood that if he said and did the right and respectful thing that, you know, dad won't be too upset if I never get around to it. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what went through his mind. Maybe the other son started thinking, you know, that this wasn't my boss and this wasn't some taskmaster that had no interest in me and this wasn't someone who hasn't loved me infinitely first. This was my father. This was my father. And even though I have disrespected him, he has respected the right for me to make my own choice and God always does. He doesn't force your will. Maybe somewhere along the way, the second son said, Wow, you know, if, if I'm loved like that, I don't want to be like this anymore. And he went into the field. In order to know the beauty of the repentant life, often the first step in that is something that we don't anticipate. We don't just become beautiful as what we are. Sometimes God calls us to change our ways to become his ways. And in that process, the first step of it is often, ooh, I've missed it. There's a necessary moment of remorse, of insight, of wow, this really does apply to me. 
And, and this is maybe the simplest of Jesus' parables. But even this parable is pointed. It's difficult to dodge. And I think Jesus told parables in this way so that that moment of insight, even though it's painful, would be one of laser, if not surgical, precision. Let's deal with the cancer and get you healthy. Let's, let's start where we need to turn and turn this life towards righteousness, towards life, towards blessing, towards me. Lord Jesus, in your name, I come against every distraction uh, and trust you to do what you intend to do. In the name of Christ, it's yours. Which son? We've chosen the right son. It was the one that finished well. The one that responded even to that feeling of remorse which he could have denied. Jesus puts these who could have turned to him aware of their decision. They said, you saw what happened when John the Baptist did what he did in, in the wilderness and how lives were changed. Beautiful change, life change, life-giving stuff tax collectors, harlots, those whose lives had been destroyed, those whose lives had been twisted by so many wrong choices became lives that were set free for something beautiful. And even though you saw God doing that in those lives, you chose your own pride rather than being a candidate for the same kind of change. The good news is, and I want to do this out of order this morning, the good news is that we've all been the son who said yes to God and then not gotten around to it. All of us have been that son. The good news is all of us can be the second son who thought better of it and went and joined our father in, the, in, his, in his vineyard. Knew the joy of doing the will of our father. These parables were pointed. They were provocative. They were incredibly personal. And because of that, they usually cause some kind of reaction. Jesus' parables still have the same kind of potency. As you heard that story, chances are things stirred within you. Those who heard the, that story and found themselves in it and refused to repent, refused to accept that remorse, just a few verse, verses later, verse 45, and when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And when they sought to seize him, they became afraid of the multitudes because he had, they held him to be a prophet. Man, what a dichotomy of reaction to a story. Those who reject it, 
want to seize him and shut him up and get rid of him. And by the end of the week, they do, right? He goes to a cross because of their false accusations. But the others, the multitude, had held him to be a prophet. Same story. Others were so rejecting of their own sense of indictment that they decided to shut up the one who was telling the story. But some heard these parables as the very voice of God into their life. He is a prophet. This guy is reading my mail. God has spoken a word to me, a now word to me, something that I need to take seriously. Something that's for me. That, that choice usually looks like this. We're not only challenged to choose which son did the will of his father, I think we're also challenged as to which side we will take. And let me describe these sides because I think they're going to come up again and again no matter what parable we're looking at. The thing about whatever is sin and attractive to us and tempting to us and all that kind of stuff, it it usually has a payoff for us. And and maybe we've even formed a habit of going to it. And so it's become in some ways our way of doing things. And when God presents us with a healthier, better, life-giving, life-saving way, even though that looks good, it may be something we we may have something else we don't want to part with. And usually in those moments, we've got a choice. And I would describe this choice this way. I've often discovered that my choice is either to choose my sin against my Savior. Choose my sin and reject His Word. Choose my sin, disrespect His Word. Choose my sin, procrastinate about His Word. Choose my sin against my Savior. Take the side of my sin. Or... The choice is to take the side of my Savior against my sin. Let him become the one that I trust. The one that I want more. The one that I prefer. It's really the expulsive power of a greater love that I'm called to choose when these parables often present me with these kind of choices. And maybe you sense that as well. God presents us these choices because he sees us walking paths towards life and paths towards death. And like a good father, he calls us from anything that would destroy us or destroy others. Even things about which we're unaware. And so he tells us stories that suddenly show us the error of our ways. Stories perhaps like this one. Maybe you've heard me tell this story before. It's one that I borrow from Emerson Egerich. He tells the story of uh, a young man who is getting on a bus... And it's the last stop in the city before a very long ride out to uh, uh, a a city 
um, a neighboring city. They have to go through the country. It's late at night. Many people have been working uh, a long day during the big city uh, in the big city, and they want to sleep on the bus on the way home. They're commuters and so forth. The last stop in the big city, and all of a sudden, this 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 young man, obviously with his two kids, gets on the bus. He goes all the way to the back, sits down. There's not room on his seat for his kids, so the kids start running up and down the the aisle of the bus and they're playing chase and they're loud and and they're not sensitive to anybody around them that's trying to get sleep and uh, they just get louder and louder you know and, and, and people are protesting with their eyes they're turning around and looking to the back of the bus to this young father who apparently has no awareness whatsoever that his kids are completely out of control you know the, 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 the looks that communicate a whole paragraph when you give them looks like these You know what I'm talking about? No, no word had to be spoken. And, 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 but they weren't getting his attention until finally uh, they did get the attention of the guy that was sitting next to him. He was as perturbed as anybody else was with what was going on. And all those eyes elected him their spokesman. And he thought, oh, all right. And he turns to uh, the, the young father and he says, Sir, sir. Sir, are you unaware of, of, of your kids here? There, there's people on this bus that are worn out. They're trying to get a little bit of sleep, and your kids are out of control here. They've been running up and down the aisle, bumping people everywhere, playing their silly games. With the, the, we've asked them several times politely to please be quiet and sit down, but, but they won't, and, and you don't seem to have any sensitivity to what's going on on this bus. Would you please do something? And the father turned to him, and he said, Oh, oh, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I wasn't aware. We just got on the bus. We just came from the hospital. We just got word their, their mom is going to die. And in a moment, a story can open your eyes. Maybe a modern parable like that would be, try to always be kind to your fellow travelers in this life. You never know what burdens they're carrying. Parables. They can give us insights that are life-changing and world-changing in a simple moment. His name was David. And he was the king of Israel. And from heaven, God must have seen his life take a very destructive turn. He he had been king for a while. Perhaps he was tired of all of the, the wars and the conquering to expand the kingdom. He sent his men out to war as they usually went, but this time he didn't go with them. And perhaps bored, misplaced, he sat on the top of his palace and looked out over the city, and there was Bathsheba. Um, 
she was not fully clothed. She was, she was bathing, and he saw a beautiful woman, and he wanted her, and he was the king. And thus began a, a sequence of bad decisions. He found out who her husband was. He was Uriah. He was one of those who were at war, one of those that were under his command as the king. He sent the command, the secret command, that Uriah was to go to the front lines of the fighting. And there in the front lines, he was killed. Basically, with the authority of the king, he had sentenced Uriah to death. Well, now, since his wife is a widow, he can do the right thing and invite this poor widow into the provision of the palace and make, him, make her one of his wives, which is exactly what he does. And to those who knew no better, who looked on from the outside, they saw King David, the compassionate. But God knew the whole story. And he knew how, how David's life was at this moment starting to be ensnared by darkness. It was headed towards big-time destruction, and maybe even the whole kingdom would be taken down with his demise. He loved him too much to let him go, and so he sent someone with a story. He sent Nathan, and Nathan told him a parable. He said, King, I've got a something to share with you. Share it, Nathan. He said, well, there was this, uh, there was this shepherd. You, you, you were a shepherd, David. You know what? There, there was a shepherd that uh, had one sheep, and it, it wasn't just uh, one of many in his flock. It was his only sheep, and the sheep was really even more than what sheep usually are in a flock, just a means to an end. This sheep was almost like his pet, his best friend, uh, a man with one sheep. And then there was another man who had many flocks, hundreds of sheep, and uh, a friend came, a guest came, and, and he needed to show him hospitality and to serve him a grand meal. But instead of picking one of his sheep, of which he had plenty, to become the meal for his special guest, he had the sheep of this shepherd with the one sheep. He stole that sheep to show hospitality, to appear gracious to his guest. King, what do you think? And David, understanding a shepherd's heart, was furious. Furious. Who is this man? Who is this man? He deserves to die. You know, he's ready to exercise his kingly authority here. He can make this decision. He can make this right. Who is this man? And in a moment, Nathan simply said, King. And, and, you know, I I think it's important for you to envision how he said it. I don't think it was with an angry finger. I don't think it was with a haughty spirit. I think it was with a broken heart. I think it was with the heart of a friend who understood that his friend didn't really understand fully what he was doing and somehow a light had to come on. I think he turned to King David and said, King, who is this man? Thou art the man. 
And King David didn't respond as the Pharisees did. His was a model response. He fell to his knees and says, I've sinned against men and I've sinned against God. I messed up. And I repent. I, 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 I turn from this. I confess my wrongdoing and, and I'm going to live differently. In that moment, he became the one who had not been doing the will of his father and thought differently of it and then decided to do the will of his father. And it all came with a moment of repentance. As we walk through these, these parables, I think, I think we'll hear from time to time not only stories that, that grip us, that show us the heart of God, I think also we will from time to time see ourselves in these stories. So who is it? Who is it that these parables are for? Who is it that these, this series is for? Who is it? I am the man. Who is God speaking to? You are the one. Which son will you be? Whose side? Your sin or your Savior? Do you choose? It would be so much more comfortable if we were talking about somebody else today. But we are the one. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray that we would have ears that are open not only to hear your word and respond with respect to who you are, but also to be so moved of heart by the love of our Father, that we walk out His will as He calls us to it. Father, in whatever way we see ourselves in this story and we hear Your call to us, I pray that today, today, we would choose to serve You. We would choose to do Your will and not our own. Give us insight, Lord God, about what it is in our lives right now for which we are making that choice. Help us to choose as your sons and your daughters wisely. In your holy name, amen.